Our epistle lesson for this day is Romans chapter 7. It is a continuation of last week's lesson, and it is the basis for today's message. Paul writes, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, that, the, that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today's message is the passage from Romans chapter 7 that we read just a few moments ago. And since it is so tying, I'm going to read it again. Whoa, the mic's cutting out. All right. Well, today we're going to start off with a question. So go ahead and raise your hand. Who here who has had a, has had a struggle in life? I see that there are some of us who are struggling with shyness this morning, so we're going to try this again. Who here has had a struggle in life? There we go. As expected, 100% of us have had a struggle in life. Sometimes we struggled with schoolwork, did we not? Sometimes we struggled with the work of daily life. We struggle with friends, with co-workers and neighbors, even family, sometimes even our caregivers, and yes, even strangers. After all, how was the drive to church today? Now, I wouldn't be surprised if my question brings to your mind a current or a recent struggle in your life. But today, we are going to concentrate on the struggle that Paul describes for us in our text, which is his struggle with sin. So at this moment, if you have a different struggle in your mind, I'm going to ask you to try and put it aside so that you might pause and hear about the largest and most prevalent struggle for the Christian, the inner struggle between spirit and flesh. To aid us in our understanding the text today, I would like to read a little tidbit I came across this week. There is a lesson to be learned in the architectural design of Versailles, that elegant abode of the French monarchy outside Paris, separating the war drawing room from the salon of peace is the hall of mirrors this arrangement of rooms must 
might well symbolize what people must do as they hope to pass from conflict to peace. They must first pause and examine themselves in the mirror. In our text today, Paul is examining himself in the mirror of the law and reporting to us what he sees and what he experiences as he struggles with the conflict he has that is brought by his sin and faith. Now we aren't looking at the entirety of Paul's life today, but specifically at his struggle with sin. And I say his struggle with sin because Paul has changed his approach here in this letter. Specifically at verse 7 in this chapter, Paul starts writing in the first person. And he maintains the present tense. Now there could be a few pastoral reasons for this, but regardless of these reasons, the shifting to the first person singular here makes his meaning clear. As he writes this letter to the church in Rome, this is the current condition of Paul, even as he pens this letter. This is the same Paul who wrote that he had much to boast about with regards to his flesh. For in his letter to the church at Philippi, he wrote that as to the righteousness under the law, he was blameless. But when faith set in, and conversion came, the reality of his life changed. For the Christian life is a lifelong struggle with sin. It was real for Paul. It is real for you. It is a reality for all who believe. In his book entitled Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis describes this duality of the law that dwells in us this way. He writes, the law of gravity tells you what stones do if you drop them. But the law of human nature, it tells you what human beings ought to do and do not. I mean, you have the facts, how men do behave, and you also have something else, how they ought to behave. It begins to look as if there is more than one kind of reality. That is, in this particular case, there is something above and beyond the ordinary facts of men's behavior. And yet it is quite definitely real. A real law. Which none of us made. But which we find pressing on us. What C.S. Lewis describes as how men behave and how they ought to behave, Paul describes thusly. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Now I reiterate here because I want to be clear. Paul is not describing life before his conversion. For he states quite clearly, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good, it is righteous, it is holy. This details the very difference between Paul's mind, which is led by the Spirit, 
and Paul's flesh, which he says is still sold to sin. This is not a fall into Gnosticism that simply believes that the spirit is good and the flesh is bad. For Gnosticism also teaches that there will be an everlasting separation of flesh and spirit, and we reject this. For Scripture clearly teaches that all flesh will be resurrected, some to everlasting life and others to everlasting damnation. But rather, Paul details this conflict between mind and flesh because faith and the Holy Spirit have entered into the life of the believer, and now there is conflict. Before faith reigned in your body, unopposed. Before faith, sin reigned in your body, unopposed. Think of it this way. Suppose you are in an inner tube and just floating down a river with the current. You're laid back. You are just soaking in the sun and the current is taking you where it may. At that moment, life is easy. You don't have to do anything and you're just moving along. You're not standing still and you're moving toward a destination. Before faith, we float along in the current of sin, unaware of where it is taking us or how fast we are going. And it is only after coming to faith that the law shows us where we are headed. It is eternal damnation, and we pull out a paddle and start paddling against the current. That struggle against the current of sin is never-ending while we reside in this flesh. And that seems to bring a sense of hopelessness, doesn't it? But Paul is not bringing us to a cry of despair or even discouragement. He is simply wants us to see our reality that because of faith we live in a duality. It brings a struggle that will not be removed until our death. Now Luther has described this duality as simultaneously being saint and sinner. Being saint because of Christ we are forgiven and redeemed. We are saints now. In our sermon series a little earlier, we discovered a few weeks ago that by Christ's death and resurrection, He has made us right, right with the Father. And as such, before the Father's eyes, we are saints. Yet at the same time, and our lives attest to this, we are beset by sin. Paul calls this the sin that dwells within me. We see the sin in a variety of ways, not only by outward sin, but also in efforts to act according to God's law that can only be described as weak. We see the results of sin both in our failings and when we try, but we fall short. We see our sin in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, just as we confess. Our sinful flesh is an unavoidable obstacle that we cannot remove. And Paul admits that not only can he not keep the law the way God intends, but he also chases after what the law forbids. This is a realization and an acknowledgement that moral perfection is not obtainable by us in this life and that we should not treat our sin 
as of little moral consequence. And this is what brings Paul to write, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? The real life struggle with sin that we have brings us to this very same question. For by faith, sin causes your heart to cry out with Paul, who will rescue me from this body of death? But it is the Holy Spirit who uses this reality to point you to the door of faith through which comes God's grace. When your heart cries at your wretchedness, the Holy Spirit points you through that open door to reveal your right deliverer, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit wants you to see that you are a redeemed child of the God Most High. The Holy Spirit wants you. He wants you to see that the Christian life also abides in the promise from your Savior that death, even though it still comes, it no longer has the upper hand. Christ has seen to it through his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection from the grave. Your daily struggle with sin should eventually lead you to Paul's answer every single time. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ is our right deliverer. So how does this revelation help us today? Well, firstly, it gives us a warning. You see, Satan likes to use our struggle with sin to point us only to the law. He loves to point out rightly that we are and all we have ever done merits only judgment. He does this because he wants us despondent and wallowing in despair. But to counter this reality, allow the Holy Spirit to remind you that this reality often brings us to the tendency to rely on the keeping of the law for our own justification before God, which even Paul admits simply cannot be done. And then use that aha moment that the Holy Spirit brings you to remember of our liberation from sin through Christ alone. And let the Holy Spirit cause you to proclaim with Paul. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. For our salvation we can only ever find in God's Son, the one who has died on the cross for us. For our hope we can only ever rest in His righteousness. And as Paul has established today for our ongoing obedience, for any real change, we don't need to rely on our own efforts, but on the work of God's Spirit, who will transform our lives as we walk together with Him in our time to come. 
which means that you should expect this transformation that comes with a Christian life to show up in your daily struggle with sin. It is there that you will learn to pause and remember your baptism. You will learn to relish the fact that in your baptism you have been washed clean and claimed by God and is his child, an inheritor of his kingdom. In your daily struggle with sin, the Holy Spirit will remind you that you are not only a wretch, but you are a forgiven wretch. And that realization by itself will change your outlook on others and make it easier for you to see that everyone around you is also a forgiven wretch. Even your enemies. Which makes it easier to call each other to repentance with loving kindness. It makes it easier to see that when people are calling you to repentance, it's because they love you. All of this will make it easier to forgive and to ask for forgiveness and to love just as our Lord commands us. Which means that it will all bring you joy. For all of us want to forgive, but our fallen nature battles against that notion, doesn't it? All of us want to revel in the forgiveness that we have received, but our fallen sinful nature tells us that we can't because we're sinners through and through. The bottom line is that this struggle is proof that the Holy Spirit is, is, is at work in you. The struggle is proof positive that faith resides in you. For there, if there was no faith, you, there would be no battle. You'd be on the tube just going along with the current of sin. All the way to hell. Are you a sinner? <laughs> Why, yes, you are. That is what the law shows you. Are you forgiven in Christ Jesus? Why, yes, you are. That is what the gospel tells you. Don't mix the two, but don't forget the two. Always apply the two. In doing so, you will allow the Holy Spirit to remove the joy of sin and replace it with the joy of forgiveness. In doing so, you will allow the Holy Spirit to enter into this daily struggle and improvement will come. But never expect earthly perfection until Christ comes again. And who knows? You might even see the love your pastor has for you as he preaches the law at you. Stranger things have happened, right? Well, thanks be to God for his son, Jesus Christ, whose birth Life, death, and resurrection have met the requirements of the law, redeemed us from the eternal consequences of our sins, and brought us into a right relationship with the Father, to whom we now, along with Paul, give thanks and praise. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.